Hello, everybody. Welcome back. CCT, episode 33. Double threes out here. Everybody throw them up. Throw up the threes. It has been a wild and wacky college football season. Definitely one of the best I've seen in a long, long time. Lots of ups and downs. Big upsets. Teams coming out of nowhere. New and exciting things on the horizon. And I can't believe... It is finally safe to say the regular season is now over. It is complete. We have conference championship weekend upon us. Um, hopefully, it won't take too long, but we do have our first conference championship game tonight with Southern Cal and Utah in the Pac-12. Again, I'm sorry for this being um, a little lately dropped. I was busy this whole week, so no excuses, though. Get this out before tonight. And then the rest of the conference championships are going on tomorrow. Um, again, As always, appreciate everyone tuning in, locking it up, locking it in with CCT. Um, Again, whether you're brand new to college football, just want to see what this is about, it's a great way to dip your toe in, see what you like. If you say, hey, Chew, you stink, I get it. But if you're interested or you're a hardcore fanatic like myself, this is definitely the podcast for you. And I guess we'll jump right in here. So... We shall recap some of the games from last weekend. We have the big stunner in Columbus. The Michigan Wolverines upset the Buckeyes in their own house. 45-23. The Wolverines improved to 12-0. They are now ranked second in the nation. The Buckeyes fall to 11-1. They are ranked 11-1. And they are ranked fifth in the nation. Michigan. Total yardage here. We have 530 yards to Ohio State's 492. Michigan had 278 passing yards. Ohio State, 349. Michigan had 252 rushing yards. Ohio State, 143. Key here, turnovers. Michigan had none. Ohio State had two. I watched this whole game from start to finish. At half, Ohio State had a close lead. Both teams are slugging it out. And again, it was definitely... Advantage Buckeyes, home field advantage. Last year getting stunned in the big house by Michigan in the snow. All the hype and hostility between the two teams coming back to Columbus. And again, Michigan played them tough and out warm in the second half. They broke away. They're running back Edwards. Electric runs towards the end of the game that kind of put the Ohio State defense to bed. And they just couldn't stop Michigan's offense. A couple wide receivers broke some tackles for long touchdowns. And Stroud threw two interceptions, which unfortunately did not help the cause either. Marvin Harrison still balled the hell out. Um, Again, it's a shame to see them without Jackson Smith and Jigba. And a couple of the other running backs have been hurt at Ohio State. But still a formidable team and no excuses for the loss here. So going to the individual stats, McCarthy for Michigan was 12-24 passing. 263 yards, three touchdowns through the air. He also had six rushes for 27 yards and a touchdown. Again, that touchdown rush was a big statement. Physicality for Michigan, I believe it was in the third quarter at some point for McCarthy. Again, found those big hogs in the line of scrimmage that opened up the hole for Edwards and the other running backs and the quarterback to run the ball. Edwards, jumping to him, 22 rushes for 216 yards and two touchdowns. He also had two catches for nine yards. Again, what a hell of a day for the Michigan offense. Quarterback throws for 263 yards, has four total touchdowns, and your running back runs for 216 and two touchdowns. 
Again, shout out to Michigan O-line, protecting McCarthy, open up holes for Edwards. Wide receiver-wise, reception-wise, we had Johnson, four receptions for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Again, he broke one at one point and just had a baller of a game. Ohio State just couldn't tackle him. So shout out Michigan there. What a shelling. Stun him in Columbus. Now jumping over to the Buckeyes. C.J. Stroud was a Heisman frontrunner. Now that stock has definitely taken a hit. He was 31 of 48 passing, 349 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. He also had two rushes for negative three yards. Again, the two turnovers were very costly for Ohio State, especially when they were trying to get back in the game, and Michigan just took advantage. Um, Traum, their running back. Again, sorry if I'm butchering your names. Again, Mayan Williams was limited. A lot of other running backs were hurt. Um, he had 14 rushes for 83 yards, one catch for 14 yards. Wide receiver core, again, Ohio State, with their passing game, has been electric the whole year. Abuku and Harrison Jr. So Abuku had nine receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Harrison Jr. had seven receptions for 120 yards and a touchdown. So two guys over 120 yards and a touchdown. Again, was just not enough, though. Ohio State could not get it done on the offensive side of the ball. And Michigan just outscore them, outwilled them, dominated the second half physically in the line of scrimmage. So shout out to the Wolverines. Big win there. Back-to-back years for Harbaugh, beating Ohio State. One in Michigan and now in Columbus. Now they go on to the Big Ten Championship. Next, we have the Egg Bowl. Yes, the Egg Bowl. No, it's not bowl season, but the Egg Bowl. So the game between Mississippi State and Ole Miss for the Battle of Mississippi. The trophy is called the Egg Bowl. And we had Mississippi State defeat the Rebels of Old Miss in a nail by 24-22. Mississippi State is now ranked 24th in the nation. They improved 8-4. Old Miss falls to 8-4. Mississippi State had a total of 336 yards. Old Miss 331. Mississippi State had 239 passing yards. Old Miss had 257. Mississippi State had 97 rushing yards. Old Miss 74. Mississippi State had three turnovers. Ole Miss won, and they still won the game. Again, turnovers are very key. Rodgers, the quarterback for Mississippi State, was 27-39. 239 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. He also had eight rushes for 37 yards. Marks, their running back, had 14 rushes for 76 yards and a touchdown. Johnson, their wide receiver, had eight rushes for 40, excuse me, eight receptions for 46 yards. Again, Will Rogers, a great quarterback. That air raid offense is Mississippi State. Will Leach, excuse me, Mike Leach, not Will Rogers. Mike Leach, the coach. Big passing, high rate offense is also a cartoon character. Have you ever seen Mike Leach in a press conference? Again, big win, big, big win for Mississippi State, the Bulldogs there. Now, Ole Miss side, Jackson Dart was 30 of 38, 250 yards. And two touchdowns passing. He also had 10 rushes for negative four yards. Again, Dart, big transfer from Ohio State. Wanted to see how he'd do in Ole Miss this year. Had a pretty okay year. Again, nothing too crazy. Definitely looked to come into his own and grow next year. He's young. Judkins, the running back, had 21 rushes for 87 yards. And Wade, the wide receiver, had eight receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. Again, big win for Mississippi State in the Egg Bowl. Definitely want to shout them out there. 
All right, last but not least, we had NC State UNC, the Battle of Carolina, North Carolina, excuse me. We have NC State, the Wolfpack, ow, defeated the Tar Heels 30 to 27 in double overtime. NC State improves the 25th in the nation, they're 8 and 4. UNC drops the 23 in the nation, and they are 9 and 3. Now going to the yardage here, NC State at 330 yards total, UNC 351. NC State had 271 passing yards, UNC 233. NC State had 59 rushing yards, UNC 118. TJ Finley for NC State quarterback, 21 of 41 passing, 271 yards, and two touchdowns. He also had two rushes for negative 10 yards. Allen, the running back, had 12 rushes for 53 yards. Carter, the wide receiver, had six catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. Again, shout out to him. One hell of a game there. On the UNC side, the Tar Heel side, Drake May, 29 of 49 passing, 233 yards. Also, one touchdown pass and interception. Again, NC State and UNC both had a turnover, a pop. So UNC, Drake May with the interception there. He also had 14 rushes for 32 yards and a touchdown. So a touchdown pass and rush for Mr. May. The running back, Green, had 24 rushes for 83 yards and a touchdown. And one of their wide receivers, also last name Green, eight receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. But the Wolf Pack steal the Battle of North Carolina, double OT. Shout out them. Big win there. And I know a couple of NC State alumni. Out of all the schools in North Carolina, Duke, you know, Wake Forest, UNC, NC State, all the different Carolina schools. They've told me the Wolfpack hates UNC the most. So big win over their rival. Huge, huge shout out there. All righty. Next, with our close wins and notable L's. We have a lot of wild scores to go through. I'll jump in real fast. Tulane, the Green Wave, defeated Cincinnati. 27-24. Tulane is 18th in the nation. They moved to 10-2. Since he falls to 9-3. With that win, Tulane is now in the AAC Championship game against UCF. Shout out the Green Wave. Miami, Ohio. Pulls out a nail-biter against Ball State, 18-17. Miami, Ohio improves to 6-6. Six six. Ball State, 5-7. Miami, Ohio is going bowling. Shout out to them. We have free shoes against UF. The Battle of Florida. FSU already smoked Miami a couple weeks ago, so to complete the sweep of Florida for the Seminoles. The Seminoles won 45-38. Close win, wild game in Tallahassee. Florida State improves to 9-3, ranked 13th in the nation. UF falls to 6-6. They're still going bowling. Definitely a disappointing year under Billy Napier in his first season. We'll definitely have to recruit and turn around next year. Next, we have... South Carolina, the Gamecocks against Clemson for the Battle of South Carolina. The Gamecocks defeated the Tigers 31-30. South Carolina, number 19th in the nation, improves to 8-4. Clemson, number 9, falls to 10-2. Huge win for the Gamecocks. Beast Slayers, back-to-back weeks, defeated Tennessee last week, and now Clemson, again, home and on the road. Spencer Rattler's playing some of his best football right now. Shout out to Gamecocks in the cockpit. Alrighty, next we have Kent State. The Golden Flash is against the Buffalo Bulls. In overtime, Kent State pulled out a win 30-27 over the Bulls. Kent State improves to 5-7. Buffalo to 5-6 on the year. Battle of Oregon. 
The Beavers of Oregon State against the Ducks of Oregon. You have Oregon State winning 38-34 in a close one. Oregon State improves the 9-3. They're ranked 15th in the land. Oregon Falls, the 9-3. They are 16th in the nation. Southern Cal Notre Dame, historic rivalry throughout the years. The Trojans defeated the Irish 38-27 by 11. Southern Cal, 11-1, improves to 4th in the nation. Notre Dame, 8-4, fall to 21. And last but not least, Western Kentucky defeats FAU, Florida Atlantic University, in overtime. 32-31, Western Kentucky improves to 8-5. FAU falls to 5-7. Shout out Western Kentucky. They will be going bowling as well. A lot of teams bowling this year. We love to see it. Um, little tidbits of information. Lane Kiffin's son asked Will Rogers before the game. He DM'd him on Instagram for his game towel before the Egg Bowl. And Rogers said, of course, no problem. And after the game, when they were walking on the field after the loss, um, Lane Kiffin and his son, uh, Will Rogers, approached him and gave his son the game towel and dapped him up and gave him a hug. So just, you know, shout out Will Rogers again. One hell of a guy. I remember him helping the older power lady um, in the Alabama Stadium, helping her walk up the ramp at the end of the game after they lost. Just a shout-out, kid. You know, stand-out, kid. Excuse me. And, you know, parents raised him right. A gentleman and a class act all around. So just want to shout-out Will Rogers for that. Speaking of Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, he agrees to a contract extension. $9 million a year for six years. Again, wild, wild money getting thrown at Lane Kiffin. Again, definitely will be one of the most highest-paid coach in the SEC at $9 million a year. We shall see what happens. Again, in the three years he's been at Ole Miss, he is 23-12. and 12. 2020, he was 5-5. Five and five. Overall, 4-5 and five in the conference. In 2021, he was 10-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the conference. That team was the first 10-win season team in Ole Miss history. And this year, they're 8-4 and 4-4 four and four and four in the conference. So Lane Kiffin gets paid, gets his bag. Again, that's $9 million a year for six years. So again, we'll do some quick math. That's $54 million. Again, nice extension for Lane Done a great job at Old Miss so far. Again, still has not gotten over the hump of beating the save in Alabama. They've definitely come close a couple times. But still a great offensive mind, probably one of the best in the nation, and uh, one hell of a coach. We'll see how he develops Jackson Dart you know, over the next few years and just keep that program growing by leaps and bounds. Going back to the game, the Ohio State-Michigan game. Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in Columbus since 2000. 2000, the year 2000 when everyone thought the world was going to end. But that means 22 years Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State at home. So shout out them. The Wolverines went into Columbus, took care of business, and beat the brakes off Ohio State. That game, it was 17 million viewers on Fox, which is the most watched college football regular season game in network history. I know early in the year when Alabama played Texas, in Texas, the second week of the season, that game was also on Fox. That game was also very high up in the rankings for our viewers, but this game blew it out of the water. So again, the game between Ohio State and Michigan, always a barn burner, broke multiple records, just shout out to the Wolverines. And again, so much is going on now that the regular season ended with coaching carousels and transfer news, and I tried to bundle a bunch of it, but it's so ever-changing 
and it keeps it's going to keep going on and on. So this week I tried to get as much of it that's out right now and bundle it into our college football news section. So I'll start off with that, and then towards the end I have a big announcement regarding the college football playoff expansion. That'll be the last thing. So definitely want to stick around for that. But now we're getting to coaching deals and firings and hirings and speculations, and then we're going to jump a little bit into the transfer portal. And then we'll continue what we got going. So, excuse me. Now, we shall jump in. Hope everyone's on the edge of their seat for this. We have a lot, so let's jump in. Colorado. The Buffaloes have offered Deion Sanders prime time, the head coaching job. But he has been telling recruits that he will be out of school on Sunday. And that his decision will be between Colorado, Cincinnati, and USF. Again, like I've talked about many past couple weeks, Colorado has been one of the schools listed as USF. Cincinnati is kind of newer, but USF and Colorado are definitely up there. Again, if you were to go to Colorado, they've been trashed the past you know majority of years. Could revitalize that program, get recruits from out west to go there. USF, South Florida, again, Tampa area could take all the recruits from Miami and the UFs and the UCFs and the FSUs, just take over the state of Florida prime time, or go up to Cincinnati, compete for those recruits out of the Midwest, Ohio, Michigan, the Northeast. And that program also, with Luke Fickle departing, and I'll get into more of that later, but can use a boost at coach as well. So any three of those spots he goes, definitely need a revitalization, a spark, a jolt. And I think prime time can do that. Again, I've been you know praising him and blessing him for all the things that he's been doing at Jackson State since he's got there undefeated season so far this year in you know the SWAC conference and as well just what he's been doing to those players individuals outside of the football spectrum and in the classroom making them gentlemen and making them individuals that can go out into society and succeed no matter whether they go to the NFL or not which is the number one thing at the end of the day so shout out prime time there very you know anxious to see where he goes and excited and again we'll talk about that hopefully soon if he decides all right arizona state the sun devils have finalized the deal with oregon offensive coordinator kenny dilling dillingham dillingham excuse me to become their next head coach again oregon this year with bo nix again got absolutely whomped the first game of the season by the dogs but since then bo nix has looked been a heisman candidate their offense has been exploding by leaps and bounds. One of the most prolific offenses in the nation. And shout out Dillingham here to get his job. You know, go go coach the Sun Devils and that Pac-12 team. Hopefully, he can turn them around again. Herm Edwards was fired midway through the season after a game. Walked onto the field, the AD Candom. So we'll see if he can turn that program around in Arizona State. Next, David Shaw has stepped down as Stanford's head coach. He's the wingest coach in Stanford history, 96-53. and 53. Credit, three Pac-12 titles, four Pac-12 coach of the year, four time, excuse me. And he was 5-3 in bowl games with multiple Rose Bowl wins, again, before the playoff occurred, but multiple Rose Bowl wins and other wins in bowls. So going over three years, 2011, they were 11-2 overall, 8-1 in conference. 2012, when they won the Pac-12, they were 12 and 2, 8 and 1 in conference. 2013, they won the Pac-12 again. 
He was 11 and 3 with Stanford, 7 and 2 in the conference. 2014, they're 8 and 5, 5 and 4 in the conference. 2015, they won the Pac-12 again. They were 12 and 2, 8 and 1 in the conference. 2016, 10 and 3, 6 and 3 in conference. 2017, 9 and 5, 7 and 2 in the conference. 2018, 9 and 4, 6 and 3 in the conference. 2019, 4 and 8, 3 and 6 in the conference. 2020, 4 and 2. Overall, four and two in the conference. 2021, three and nine, two and seven in the conference. And this year, three and nine and one and eight in the conference. So again, ever since 2018, after that, the past four seasons, Stanford has fallen off the face of the earth, not even been competitive. And again, David Shaw has had some great, great teams. Again, three-time Pac-12 champ, four-time Pac-12 coach of the year. Coached some of the greats, Andrew Luck. Kevin Hogan, Christian McCaffrey, some elite, elite talent out there in California. But unfortunately, all good things must come to an end, and he is stepping down as the head coach of Stanford. Had one hell of a career there, again, winning his coach in their history. Just want to give him his props and his flowers because, again, growing up watching college football, Stanford, again, starting in 2011 when he first got there, Went 11-2 in his first year. So always seeing them be competitive and just dominate throughout the years and have some of those dynamic players in college football every year. Um, unfortunately, that has come to an end. So I just want to give David Shaw props there and wish him the best on if he continues coaching or wherever he tends to be in his life. Next, Luke Fickle, as I said, become the head coach of Wisconsin. He had a seven-year, $55.3 million deal. Averaged about to 7.9 a year. So again, Luke Fickle got paid a bag to go to Wisconsin. Again, Wisconsin got rid of their coach early on throughout the season. A lot of players, especially a high-profile one, I forget, excuse me, I think it was the running back, came out and defended his coach and said, whoever, you know, believed in firing the coach doesn't buy into the program and doesn't believe in Wisconsin football. And at Cincinnati, where Luke Fickle was prior, in his six seasons, he was 57-18, and 2-2 two and two in bowl games, and they lost in the college football playoff semifinal last year in the Cotton Bowl against Alabama. In the years 2017, they were 4-8, and 2-6 and in conference. 2018, 11-2, 6-2 two. Two in the conference. 2019, 11-3, 7-1 in the conference. 2020, they were 9-1, 6-0 and and oh in their conference. 2021, Last year, they were 13-1, 8-0 in the conference. And then this year, they're 9-3, 6-2 in the conference. They play in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. And again, Luke Fickle has done a great job there, as I've read throughout the seasons. First year wasn't so good, but then ever since that, you know, the past five seasons, almost every season has been a 10-win season, and they could win another 10-win season this year with a bowl win. The only 2020, it wasn't. Again, shortened schedule, but every other year has been over 10 wins, 11 wins. So, you know, excited to see Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Hopefully can revitalize that program. Again, they've had some great talents throughout the years. Lots of offensive linemen. Decent quarterback play. Again, so a lot of running backs. So we'll see. Again, hopefully you can turn the Badger program around. Give some competition for all those Big Ten East schools like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. Because in the West, you have schools like Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa, Northwestern. You want to beef up some of those schools to compete with the Big Ten East. FAU, like I talked about before, Florida Atlantic, the Owls. 
They fired Willie Taggart as their head coach. In three years there, he was 15-18. and 18. Not too hot for Taggart, my friends. He was formerly the coach at FSU for the one season. They canned his ass. And at FAU, Taggart in 2020 was 5-4, 4-2 in the conference. 2021 was 5-7, 3-5 in the conference. 2022, he's 5-7, 4-4 in the conference. He's 0-1 in bowl games. He lost in the Montgomery Bowl with the Owls. Again, Willie Taggart out of a job. We'll see who FAU decides to hire. A lot of coaches going around these days. A lot of names being swirled around with multiple different jobs. So we shall see as it moves forward. Texas A&M have fired their offensive coordinator, Daryl Dickey. Hallelujah. If you are a Texas A&M fan in College Station. Texas A&M, they are 5-7 and seven this year. Like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, they're the only team in college football history in modern era to have a number one recruiting class the year before. One of the highest ranked recruiting classes ever, 99.996, whatever the hell it was, to have a losing record the next year. And you could say, yeah, a lot of them are freshmen, which you get. But they were atrocious this year. Again, a lot of, a lot of five stars and high talent recruits are leaving, entering the transfer portal. Texas A&M has a big identity problem, major problems right now. Getting rid of the offensive coordinator is definitely a good start. Again, they played 12 games so far this year. They've only scored more than 25 points three times, which is crazy. Again, this modern age of college football, it's no longer like the Alabama days of the past and the teams of great defenses where you can just shut out your opponent and win 17-0. It's about putting the football in the end zone and scoring. Obviously, you still have to play defense to win, but scoring is a lot. And you can't score only 25 points or more in three games and expect to do well. So definitely a good move in College Station. Again, Jimbo has to figure out what else they need to do. They need to keep some of those recruits, get some better coaching minds in there to try to beef up the team and turn them around. Again, two years ago, during COVID, they were potentially threatening for a playoff push. And if you would have asked me, they probably should have gotten over Notre Dame. That's a different story. So they've been relevant since Jimbo got there. They beat Alabama last year for the first time in a while. Again, they need to do something in College Station because whatever's going on ain't it. This is a first good step, but they still have a lot of work to do down there. Next, UNLV, the Raiders. Excuse me. They have, oh, excuse me, they're UNLV Rebels. Excuse me, not Raiders. Red Raiders is Texas Tech. Sorry. But UNLV, the Rebels. University of Nevada, Las Vegas. They have fired the head coach, Marcus Arruyo. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, my friend. It was his first head coaching job, and he went 7-23 and in three years. So not too hot, unfortunately. 2020, they were 0-6 overall and 0-6 in the conference. Again, COVID year. 2021, 2-10 overall, 2-6 in the conference. And in 2022, this year, they're 5-7, 3-5 in the conference. So again, definitely on the trend up. But, again, the Rebels were like, see you later. He has been canned. Next, we have one of the biggest head coaching maneuvers so far. So last month, almost a month ago, on October 28th, Liberty extended Hugh Freeze through 2030, so eight-plus more years, for $40 million. So, again, we do quick math, 40 divided by 8. That is $5 million a year. But this Monday, the 28th, so a couple days ago, a month later from when he signed the extension with Liberty, 
He agrees to become Auburn's new head coach for six years, $6.5 million. And I know people went to Liberty. My girlfriend's an alumni. Some of my best friends are alumni. And people are not happy because people have thought that he's, you know, turned his back on the program and stabbed him in the back. And again, it is unfortunately horrible that he signs an extension a month later. He signs a new head coaching job. But, 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 we have to look at Hugh Freeze's history. Head coach of Old Miss. Again, beat Alabama back-to-back years with Bo Wallace in those days. Then had a scandal, had to get out of there, left, went to Liberty, and has put them on the map. In four years at Liberty, he is 35 and 15. Excuse me, 34 and 15. 3 and 0 in bowl games. They're an independent, so Liberty does not have a conference. They're joining a conference next year, going to be part of Conference USA. But in the four years of Liberty, 2019, they were 8 and 5. 2020, the COVID year, 10 and 1. 2021, they're 8 and 5. And this year, they were 8 and 4. Again, I know a lot of people from Liberty that are ticked off. But if you look at the lineage, a big SEC coach had some success, had a big scandal that unfortunately had to lead him out of there. Went to Liberty, put him back on the map, was embraced by the community and the fan base. But there was always that urge, I'm sure, to get back to a big time SEC caliber school. That's where he's from. He's from Oxford, Mississippi, and to compete on that level again. And of course, Auburn fired Harson a couple of weeks ago for the atrocious job that he's done in the Plains this year. And again, I know there was rumors that they were talking about it. And I knew people were saying, oh, well, he signed his extension. He'll be fine. But in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that something could go down. And unfortunately, it did. So now Hugh Freeze will be the new head coach at Auburn University. So the Tigers, again, looking to rebound, have had an atrocious year so far. Um, in his press conference, Hugh Freeze, you know, was excited to be there, thanked the people, you know, the athletic director. I believe one of the caveats of his um, contract is that he can't use Twitter or social media. Again, they're trying to make sure he's rigid and locked in, doesn't get in trouble. And um, he thanked Nick Saban and Miss Terry, his wife, for, you know, the friendship throughout the years. But he said he's coming for him next year in November. The game will be in Auburn next year. So we'll see. Imagine if Hugh Freeze's first year, they upset Alabama. That'll be one hell of a game. But we shall see. Again, big news there. Next, we have Nebraska hiring Matt Rule as their head coach. As we know, Matt Rule. Was at Baylor with past couple of years, a little over two seasons. He's been with the Carolina Panthers. Did atrocious there, eleven and twenty-seven in a little over two years. So he signed an eight-year, seventy-two million dollar deal, nine million dollars a year with the Cornhuskers of Nebraska. Again, Nebraska fired Scott Frost this year after a couple of games in the season. After coming back to his alma mater and doing a disappointing job, but with Baylor. He was there for three years. Um, in 2017, they went 1-11 overall, 1-8 in the conference. 2018, they were 7-6, 4-5 in the conference. 2019 was his best year. They were 11-3 overall at 8-1 in the conference. He won Big 12 Coach of the Year that year, and they lost in the Sugar Bowl. But he's 1-1 one one in bowl games total with Baylor. So again, 2017 to 2019 was when he was there. Again, did a decent job. 
definitely on the trend, on the come up, and then he left, went to the NFL with the Panthers, did an atrocious job there, so now he's going back to college to see what he can do. Again, Nebraska has definitely gotten some recruits, again, not crazily, but again, they want to compete in the Big Ten, they want to show what they can do. Historically, Nebraska has been one of the most winningest and best programs in college football history. Have a lot of championships. They want to return to the glory days. We shall see if Matt Rule is that guy or not. We'll see if he can bring his magic touch. If he's in the NFL, he looked god-awful. Next, sticking with Nebraska, we had former Nebraska intern head coach Mickey Joseph. He took over once they got rid of Scott Frost. He has been arrested for third-degree domestic assault charge. So, again, Nebraska has had a wild coaching saga. They hire back Scott Frost has gone atrocious in the past four or five years. Then they'd have this guy, Mickey Joseph, take over, and he's getting charged with third-degree... Oh, he's not charged. He's already arrested for third-degree domestic assault. And now you're bringing Matt Rule. So we'll see if Matt Rule's the answer. But Nebraska definitely needs to figure something out. It's got a lot of media attention, a lot of publicity, so needed to turn something right this time. Georgia Tech has hired Brent Key as their head coach. He was the intern head coach once they got rid of the coach during the season. And so far this year, he's 4 for 4 total and 4 and 3 in conference. So good to see an intern head coach get the head coaching job. Again, you saw that last year with Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. Took over after Brian Kelly decided to dip out. Marcus Freeman was named the new head coach. But in the bowl game last year, he took over. So to shout out to Brent Key here, taking over at Georgia Tech. Hopefully, we the Yellow Jackets to some success down there. And oh my goodness gracious, was that a lot of coaching stuff going on. Trust me, there will be more and more and more. Once the regular season's over, before conference championship, will bowl season more importantly... That's when coaches like to dip out and move and look for deals, and that's why you're seeing all this go on, as well as the transfer portal. And again, trust me, I am nowhere close to covering all the transfer portal stuff with over the next few minutes when I dive into it. There's going to be this stuff that happens every second of every day. So I, you know, I try to keep it a lot of it here. You know, next week I'll go into some more details, and I have a lot of more detail about other stuff again next week. So this news section today was a lot about the coaching stuff. What about the transfer portal and then the expansion news, which I'm definitely going to get into before we talk about the conference championships. So now we'll transition to the transfer portal here. And the key thing about the transfer portal is, for everyone to know, because I actually just learned this the other day when I was reading up about it. This Monday, December 5th, is the date for the transfer portal if you are an undergraduate entering. So let's switch this backtrack. So today, I'm Chris Chewinski. It's December 2nd. I want to enter the transfer portal. If I am a graduate student, you know, like one of those super seniors or something like that, that's fine. But all the undergraduates cannot enter before Monday, December 5th. And I have an example of that coming up. But we'll just jump into some players transferring. Texas quarterback Hudson Card plans to enter on Monday or after Monday the 5th. Um, UF quarterback Jalen Kitna has been arrested on child pornography charges. Again, I don't know what the hell's going on in Gainesville, but something ain't right. You got another five-star or four-star that they cut the scholarship for saying racially 
you know, charged lyrics to a song, and the video got leaked. And now you have another quarterback been arrested for child pornography charges. A five-star running back from the 2018 class, Lorenzo Lingard. He plans to enter the transfer portal this Monday or coming up soon. So whatever's going on in the swamp, they need to fix that. Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara entered the transfer portal, and he is committed to Iowa. Again, McNamara was the backup under McCarthy, but since McCarthy has shined and pretty much taken the starting role there, McNamara has gone to Iowa. And next year, maybe we can see the Big Ten Championship, McCarthy against McNamara. That would be one hell of a rivalry, one hell of a game. Two quarterbacks used to be teammates, now opponents. Nebraska wide receiver, DeColdis Crawford. If we remember when I started talking about NIL way back, first episode of this season, I mentioned DeColdis Crawford's NIL deal with a heating and cooling company out in Nebraska. He has entered the transfer portal, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Michigan running back, Blake Corum, will have season-engine knee surgery. Unfortunately, he is done for the year. Again, got hurt, tried to go a little bit past couple of games, but could not. And again, one hell of a career. Definitely up in the Heisman race as well. Him and C.J. Stroud now have definitely taken both hits. I think Caleb Williams is definitely that's outright front runner and will probably win it very soon. Texas A&M. D-back, Brian George, has entered the transfer portal. He made eight career starts for the Aggies. Bama D-back, Kyrie Kyrie Jackson, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing your name, he entered the transfer portal but withdrew because, like I said, if you enter before Monday, December 5th, you have to be a grad transfer. So if you're an undergrad, you have to do answers. So he initially went in, realized that he couldn't, Withdrew, and then after Monday the 5th, or on Monday the 5th, he will enter back into the transfer portal. Bama wide receivers, Treshawn Holden and Christian Leary plan to enter the transfer portal. Treshawn Holden caught 35 passes for 331 yards and 6 tutties this year. Christian Leary was the top 60 play player of the 2021 class. Bama's also losing Trey Sanders to the transfer portal. He was a former 5-star running back recruit. Tore his ACL a couple times. Unfortunately, has had some bad luck at Alabama. Got into a car accident. So, just wishing the best wherever he goes. And again, that was just a mild roundup of some of the transfer portal stuff. Trust me. There's plenty of accounts or reports or articles you can read about players transferring all the time. I just wanted to sum up a little bit of that. A little bit of just player news. You know, season-ending injuries. People getting arrested. Stuff like that. I wanted to tie it all together as well. Now, the most breaking news out of them all. And you thought, shoo. How the hell could this get any better? And you say, well, god dang it, it can. So let's just pull this up here. Hot off the press, literally yesterday, the first, the college football playoff board agreed to begin the expanded playoff, the 12-team playoff, in the 2024-2025 season. Originally, it was supposed to be when the contract expired in 2026, but they pushed it up. So that means this season is the 2022-2023, next year is 23-24, and then the year after that is 24-25. So, if you look at it, we have this season's going to be over very soon. We have next season, the season after that, we have the 12-team expanded playoffs. So everyone can start crying and celebrating. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Okay, great. All right. Again, very soon on the horizon, 2024-2025 season. And a big help, as I mentioned before, with the potential roadblocks to expand the playoff. You had school, 
for the kids, of course, for the students and the players. Again, if you start games middle of December, people are still going to have finals. And then how are you going to have games on universities with finals going on and for the players? Also, you have the rights with the playoff games and the bowl games. You have to work that out. Then you have with the networks competing with the NFL as well. Again, a lot of troops and stuff to jump through. But the Rose Bowl came out strong. And the sites for those natties in those years came out and helped forge this deal. So the Rose Bowl signed an agreement to help. They were one of the foremost, again, the granddaddy of them all. Of course, the biggest bowl game comes out and helps out. So shout out the Rose Bowl there. As well as Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and Miami, again, the Dolphins Stadium, for stepping up and changing the date. So the playoffs will start in 2024 on December 21st. It's a Saturday will be at the home field of the higher seed. Again, top four teams get a bye. And then five plays 12, six plays 11, seven plays nine, seven plays 10, excuse me, and eight plays nine. So for those games, it will be at the home field of the higher seed or another site designated by them, which I think is kind of iffy, if you ask me. Because if you're a team and you get to pick a neutral site, like, I guess, yeah, it's still compared to the home field advantage, but I would love to just have those games on the college site. So I don't know if, how I feel about that directly. I guess if you play in the middle of, like, you know, Idaho when it's negative 20 degrees on December 21st in Idaho and you got to play a team, maybe you'd want to have it indoors. But then I also would say that's my home field advantage. Like, have them come play in my house, see how they freeze their butts off and see how they play. But again... I'm not really going to dive into the nitpicky things here. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. Um, again, I, I really don't know how I feel about de- the team, the home team, or the higher seed being able to choose another site, a neutral site potentially for the game as well. Again, I don't know, really don't know how I like that. But still going into more detail in the 2024 and 2025 seasons, the four quarterfinals. And the two playoff semifinals will be played in the nearest six bowl games. Again, this I do not like either. Again, I don't understand what happens with the college football playoff committee. You, you know, they do some great things. Oh, they expand the playoffs to 12 teams. They give you, you know, the home field. But then they pull these little tricks of, oh, well, we can allow them to choose the site of the game. And the four quarter final, like, no, the four quarter final games and the two playoff semifinals, they should be just playoff games. Why do we take it away? Again, I've had this gripe for many, many times, and I've talked about it for many, many years and many times in this podcast. I do not understand why they like snatching the six most important bowl games in college football history away from teams that deserve it. You know, for the quarterfinal games and the semifinal games, why don't you just call them quarterfinals and semifinals like it is in March Madness or any other bracket invented in human history? Why do they have to be the Rose Bowl? The Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Peach Bowl. Like, no! Give those games somebody else, and you guys just do your normal thing. Like, I don't... Again, who, whoever this committee is, man, they would... They, they don't want someone like me on there, because I would just tell them straight and fix everything that they do wrong. But, again, that is what they have decided so far. Again, hopefully it'll change. We can get rid of the stupid pick the side of your home. But, again, we'll see. But, again, my opinion, I like that they're doing this. They've jumped it up, moved it up, so everyone's excited. We'd love to see that. Love to see what it does for the college football landscape. 
Again, I don't agree with those six stupid games that they take away from people. That's another story. And then the Natties, again, have moved since you have to play more games as a result of this. So normally the Natties around my birthday, January 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, somewhere around there, those four or five days. Now the Natty in 2025 will be in Hotlanta. And that game is January 20th, 2025. Again, so jumped a couple weeks because of all those extra games. And then in 2026, it will be in Miami, Dolphin Stadium. That game will be January 19th, 2026. Again, so breaking huge news. Huge, huge news because we're getting it. Again, a season and a half, two, depending on how you look at it, you know, 2024, 2025 versus at the, you know, 2026 football season. So definitely, you know, great jump to get it a couple of years before the contract ends. Again, we'll see if they iron out some of those rules or not. I don't know, but that's we'll wait for that for another day. But definitely big breaking news. And again, don't want to get that mix between all the coaching and the transfer portal stuff. That is a groundbreaking news breaking story. So definitely want to conclude that there as well. Now, now we shall transition to our games of the week. And we have conference championships, so let's jump in, ladies and gentlemen. But first. Last week with my picks, I went four and six. I picked free shoes over UF. They won. I picked Texas over Baylor. They won. I picked Ohio State over Michigan. That was an L. Picked Bam over Auburn. They won. I picked Southern Cal over Notre Dame. That was a dub. And I picked Oregon over Oregon State. That was an L. So four and six. Again, we'd definitely like to pick it up this week, conference championship weekend. And we have first tonight. So hopefully everyone can listen to this. Within the next four hours before the game, 8 o'clock tonight, the Pac-12 title game. Utah Utes, number 11th in the nation, 9-3 against the Trojans of Southern Cal, 4th in the land, 11-1 on the season. Again, this is going to be a barn burner. Utah is a great team. Even though they have three losses, they're still a very tough team. They gave Southern Cal their only loss of the year. Will they win them again? Will they beat them again? Excuse me. It's very tough to beat a team twice during the season. Again, that's 8 p.m., Eastern on Fox. That game will be at Allegiant Stadium where the Vegas Raiders play at the Death Star in Nevada. One hell of a game. I'm picking the Trojans here all the way. I think Caleb Williams in the offense is too much. Caleb Williams will win the Heisman. And I think they can give Georgia a run for their money with that offense in the first playoff game if they get the four seed. So I'm picking the Trojans here. Next, tomorrow, the 3rd of December, we have the SEC Championship game, 4 o'clock on CBS. We have LSU, 9-3, ranked 14th, taking on the Dogs of Georgia, 12-0, ranked 1 in the nation. That is Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Hotlanta, Georgia. Again, I'm taking the Dogs all day. Again, LSU had that bad loss against Florida State first game of the year, lost to Tennessee, beat Alabama, and they lost to you know Texas A&M last game of the season. But it doesn't matter. During the SEC Championship game, Looking to give Georgia a run for their money. I'm taking the dogs here all the way, though. For all my dog fans out there. Next, the Big 12 championship game. A lot of eyes will be glued on this one. The first game of the day tomorrow. Kansas State, ranked 10th in the nation and 9-3. We'll be taking on the undefeated Horn Frogs of TCU. 12-0, ranked 3rd in the land. That game is 12 noon on ABC. That game is at AT&T Stadium. Jerry World, Cowboy Stadium, the Cotton Bowl, whatever the hell you want to call it. Be there or be squared. I'm picking the Horn Frogs all day. 
TCU's year going to the playoffs undefeated. Let's go, Horn Frogs. Next, we have the ACC championship game. Clemson, number nine in the land, 10 and two in the year against UNC, the Tar Heels, ranked 23rd in the nation at nine and three. That game is 8 p.m. on ABC. That game is at Bank of America Stadium, Charlotte, North Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers play. Now, I'm picking the Tar Heels here. Upset. Drake May, I've heard so much about. He's an NFL talent. He's going to be the first quarterback picked in the draft. I don't think so. But I think Clemson, bad loss against Notre Dame. Shocking upset South Carolina in their home stadium last year. Broke the unbeaten streak. Clemson was like 40-something games unbeaten at home since 2016, and South Carolina snapped that. They'll be hungry, they'll be ready to play, but I think North Carolina pull it out and win that game. I'm picking the Tar Heels. Next, the Big Ten Championship game. Purdue, the Boilermakers, 8-4 in the year. We're taking on the Wolverines of Michigan. They're 12-0, they're ranked 2 in the land. That game's 8 p.m. on Fox. That's at Lucas Oil Stadium, Indianapolis Colts play there. Again, Wolverines having a while over a year, undefeated. They're going to win the Big 12 champ. Excuse me, Big 10. What the hell am I talking about? Big 10 championship. Go on to the playoffs. Be the number two seed behind the dogs. So I'm picking the Wolverines all day there. All righty. Last but not least, the AAC championship game where we have the UCF Golden Knights, 22 in the nation and 9 and 3 against the Tulane Green Wave, 10 and 2 on the year. 18th in the nation, Tulane did play UCF at home a couple weeks ago and lost. So will the Green Wave get their redemption? Or will UCF defeat Tulane for the second time this year? Only time will tell. That game is 4 p.m. All these games are Eastern time for you, ladies and gentlemen. That is on ABC. That will be played at Uleman Stadium, which is Tulane Stadium. I always forget that the AAC plays their conference championship games at the home stadium of the, you know, first place team. So, we'll be in New Orleans, down in the bayou, and I'm picking Tulane, the green wave. We'll get redemption for their loss a couple weeks ago, and they will slay UCF so we can lock in the Tulane green wave. All right. Again, a lot of information, a lot of stuff going on. Next week, I'm going to compare the conference championship winners and the games versus what I said at the beginning of the year. My playoff teams, which which teams will be called for the playoffs. Also, I have NIL stuff to talk about, different coaching records and stuff that have been passed, different wild statistics. Again, I didn't get into this episode because I was focusing a lot on the coaches and the players and that college football expansion news. And we also should get into the Army-Navy game next week because that game will be played next weekend. America's game between the two branches of the military. So we will dive into that again a lot next week. I know this game was, excuse me, this day or this episode was focused a lot on what I talked about, but definitely more to come. And as I said, coaching and transfer stuff will be ever-revolving. I'm sure stuff has happened since I've been recording this podcast. So definitely stay tuned with CCT. I also, you know, you know, pretty much help you and not even help you. I hope that it helps you learn about this, but I also... Wish you to go out and venture and explore whatever else is out there. Because, again, there's totally stuff that I don't cover. I just try to cover as much as I can. But I appreciate everyone for tuning in. As always, thank you for the love and support. Locking it up and locking it in. Hopefully we catch this before the game tonight. But if not, as always, 
Peace.